This episode is sponsored by Aura. Every once in a while, a product comes along that changes everything. And that product is Aura. Aura is an easy-to-use app that includes everything families need to protect their identities, money, passwords, devices, and more. It's really easy to set up and has everything you need. So you don't have to download seven separate apps to get things like parental controls, antivirus, ID theft, and transaction monitoring, and more. You get everything at one affordable price. What makes Aura different, you say? It's simple to set up. It protects against today's and tomorrow's threats, and with parental controls to let your kids explore the internet safely, filter harmful sites, apps, and manage screen time easily. Online safety for today's digital safety. It's tech that grows with you and your family. Browse safely, surf smartly, Aura comes packed with all the tools you need to protect you and your family from the online threats you can't see. Our listeners will get a 14-day free trial of Aura for individuals, couples, or their family by going to Aura.com slash potential. That's Aura, spelled A-U-R-A, dot com slash potential. Once again, get your first 14-day free trial of Aura by going to Aura.com slash potential. Protect what's important. Proactive protection for your assets, identity, family, and tech across every device. And remember, know your potential. This episode is sponsored by Nero. Do you ever constantly feel like you're falling behind and can never catch up and the stress and anxiety are taking over? Are you used to being productive and efficient But lately, you've been feeling sluggish and unable to stay focused for more than a few minutes at a time? Looking for an alternate choice to cut back on those energy drinks and giant cups of coffee? Then we've got the choice for you. Try Neuro. Neuro is a brand of gum and mints used to energize, calm, and focus whenever you need it. Neuro was developed by former athletes training at the highest level who didn't want to take mysterious supplements or energy drinks when studying, training, or going out. Instead of something sugary and ineffective, they wanted to create clean, balanced energy that could be taken anywhere, anytime. With thoughtfully curated ingredients and endless lab testing means that you can reach the right state of mind safely and consistently. Get that clean burst of energy and focused without the effects of coffee or energy drinks. It's a smart way to fuel body and mind, stay in the zone, avoid the jitters and crashing. Our listeners will get an automatic discount of up to 20% off on any gum or mint products using our link, tryneurogum.com slash potential. That's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Once again, that's tryneurogum.com slash potential. Order now. Get that clean burst of energy and focus. And remember... Know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum, this is The Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast here, Taylor and my co-host and best pal, 
Chris Dewar. It's good to be back here. Got another big episode here for you. Very excited. Uh, lots to update you all on. Uh, it's been, you know, quite a summer of movie reviews, shows, uh, video games. Uh, it's it's amazing all the stuff we've accomplished um, and still uh, seem to have time to have an actual life. <laughs> but, uh, you know, very exciting stuff. I mean, this is, you know, wrapping up our month of August. Uh, you know, Chris, you're going to be an older, wiser, uh, soon to be married man. It's coming quick, man. A couple more months and you'll be married. I know it's uh, it's kind of been a, a long engagement. Uh, and that was simply because when, you know, I asked the question uh, to my dear fiance now to uh, marry me, she was rightfully so and very smartfully so. Um, I, I want at least a year and a half to plan things out. And it just worked out that we wanted a fall wedding. So it worked out to be a two-year kind of planning situation. And now we're less than three months. And so, like, you know, you kind of go like, oh, we got time. We got time. We got time. And now it's here. Uh, and uh, it's really exciting at the same time. You know, I think we were at a really good place with all the planning and everything going on. Uh, we're very excited, you know, coming up here. As you just mentioned, yeah, it's my birthday coming up. Um, turning 35. My back feels it. My knees feel it. 35. <laughs> and uh, we're simultaneously not in the same place, of course, but we're having our our bachelor and bachelorette parties in the same weekend, um, and it's gonna be a very exciting kind of way to kind of finish off August with a kind of big party uh, pre me returning to work uh, with my my day job of uh, another year of coaching the the little kids, which is gonna be exciting. So yeah, it's been fun this, this summer. You know, it's been we, we've had this kind of movie boom but really with with barbie and oppenheimer really kind of stampeding the summer i mean there's been a lot of movies that have kind of fallen to the wayside uh that looks promising but uh barbie just stomped all over them with their her lovely pink heels yeah so and it's a, yeah it, and it's and it's a tough time right now in hollywood uh with the the writer strikes strike. on and uh yeah um you know the writers and um our actors and actresses are you know kind of solidarity until this gets sorted and it's a this is something that I think is going to continue to happen throughout the ages, I think, because those technology changes as new ways of maybe making films and television easier, quicker, maybe cheaper uh, and more efficient. You know, we're having to realize, you know, what is more important. And I think the human element is important. So hopefully you find a, a good resolution for both and everyone, uh, every party. But who knows? You know, it's going to be tough because a lot of things are going to be pushed back. Um, and I think it's tough for a lot of these performers, like, you know, the cast of Oppenheimer and Barbie, where they're, you know, really feel like they can't really promote and, you know, talk about this film because, you know, being in support of their fellow uh, actors and actresses. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, this strike's been going on for now quite a while this year and uh, no end really in sight. Yeah. And, and it's troubling when we're hearing things like, well, because of the strike, this movie will not come out till 2026. Uh, Stranger Things season five, uh, right now planned for 2027. It's these just kids like, will now be these kids will now be 37. <laughs> they'll be shaving in the first episode of season five. So, um, yeah, we're, we're just hopefully the things will kind of uh, be worked out sooner than later because um, it's going to be uh, interesting to see what movies and shows are still able to come out on time. Uh, and what will be, you know, filled during that time. But you know what? As we saw during COVID, which had a very similar effect, 
sometimes people take these opportunities to uh, create in different ways um, and still bring entertainment to the people, even when uh, their normal kind of line of work isn't uh, you know readily available. And that is the excellent segue to our guest today, yes, <laughs> who uh, definitely took her uh, took her, you know she going through a dark time found a very creative light to kind of change paths um, when needed be. But uh, this has been a long overdue guest for our podcast. We've wanted her really since season one, we've talked about having her on. <laughs> That's the truth. Um, and this is one that, uh, yeah, we've been really, really excited to have her on. So, um, someone we've known now for a decade. And as as uh, we've known each other. Yes. Seen her just shine in so many ways and what she's been able to accomplish in her career. And man, I'm thrilled she uh, came on the podcast today. So who is our special guest today, Taylor? Our special guest today is an American actress, singer, impressionist, best known for her theatrical work, television appearances, YouTube videos, and more. Uh, she's been uh, killing the game uh, most notably in her uh, playing the lead role, Fanny Bryce in Funny Girl uh, in Paris, and uh, now hitting the West End in London uh in wizard of oz uh please welcome to the show miss christina bianco well this is certainly a treat uh for both of us uh so excited to have you the podcast christina bianco thank you uh for joining us today i am so happy to finally be chatting with you both i know we've been wanting to have you on for so long and we are so happy to finally make this work um my gosh can't believe it's been it's been like a decade since we've met. It's been a year. It's been a long, long time, but yeah. um, so much has happened, and we're just so happy to chat with you and about your wonderful career. You've, you are quite Thank the you. talent in uh, many different ways, and we can't <laughs> wait to to dive in, if you will. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely thrilled. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I always feel very grateful, very lucky, and uh, yeah, lots of cool experiences. Love it. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Chris and I had the pleasure of knowing you uh, from your cruise ship origins, but you've had such a career before and since then, um, impressionist singer, actress, you know, Broadway, off Broadway, off, off Broadway, across the <laughs> off, pond off, and off, beyond. Off, off. Um, In the Hudson let's River. Let's take you back great. to the beginning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Any kind of near body water. Yeah. Um, take us back to your origin in performing what were when you were growing up what was your inspirations what inspired you what was what made you realize this is what I want to do I it, it came so naturally to me I always just heard music and immediately wanted to sing along um my father worked in radio so there was always music of so many different genres playing around the house um and really interesting things even stuff that they hadn't listened to all the time. It's, oh, let's, I heard this is interesting. Let's give this a try. So even stuff we'd go, oh, that that's lovely. That's just not for us though. You know, <laughs> I remember them saying that. Mm -hmm. Um, So always heard lots of different styles and genres of music. My mom uh, really is sort of the, the main musical talent. She's an incredible pianist and she has an incredible ear. Um, born and raised in the Bronx, one of the main things, one of the only things that her parents could really give her were piano lessons and she just loved it and went from playing the classical stuff that they trained her to play to wanting to do all of the rock stuff. I mean, she was, um, she tells me a story about how her and her band, she was, of course, became rebellious as she got older and had this crazy band in the Bronx. And uh, they got their hands on the um, 
Jesus Christ Superstar concept album before it had even come to the States. And they just taught themselves by ear how to do the whole thing. So that's sort of, you know, musical family wow. that I come from. Um, and so when I was really little, I would just sing along to everything. And when that's, when you want to sing when you're little, the outlet really, the only outlet when I was younger was theater or theater classes. Mm -hmm. And um, and then if you know you want to do theater and your parents will say, okay, but then you probably have to do dancing and acting. And so I went into those um, drama and dance classes, hated ballet, but knew <laughs> I needed it as a foundation, like all that stuff. But um, honestly, every opportunity my parents could give me to probably just shut me up and get my energy out, but to get me to do some theater <laughs> was the main thing. And my very first show was a children's uh, production, like a show that was done for kids by kids uh, of The Wizard of Oz. And um, I've told this story in all my shows and I tell it all the time, but um, the, the short version, which for me is hard, but I'm going to get to the point. The short version is I was definitely too young to play Dorothy, even in a kid's show. It was my first show ever. But I refused to sing anything other than Somewhere Over the Rainbow for the audition. And at the, that point, I had my front teeth missing. So I just sang Thumbware over the rainbow, like as loud and loud and strong as I could. <laughs> and uh, the director decided to cast me in the show as a munchkin, but that I would get to come out and sing a special reprise of Thumbware over the rainbow at the end when they were like changing the set. And by set, I mean some like big wood and cardboard flat outside, you know, like pe people just moving a big piece <laughs> of plywood across the field. Um, so while Dorothy was clicking her heels going back to Kansas, I serenaded the audience with that. So I always say, oh my gosh, my very first show ever, I got a solo that was my favorite song. So how could I not be just bitten by the bug <laughs> and the, the mosquitoes actually that were biting me while I was singing it, you know, outside <laughs> concert. Um, I love that. Yeah, I loved it. And so influences, um, again, obviously Judy Garland was one of the first voices I ever heard and one of my favorite performers. And of course, as I got older, I then watched all of her other stuff and listened to her other albums as she got older. And, you know, and so then I, I, I fell, fell in love with that genre of like standard and swing. So I was as a kid listening to people like, Barbara Streisand and, and Shirley Bassey and and like and then watching the Carol Burnett show. I mean, I was definitely that sort of throwback. I loved those classics and, you know, um, Bette Midler and as a showman as well as, a, you know, a vocalist. I, I She has a lovely voice, but it's never been the thing for Bette Midler with me. I've always thought that she was an incredible showman, so funny and, and such a versatile actress. The fact that she was known for acting and doing these concerts and I was like, and selling albums and being on the radio I was like that's where it's at because she can do it all you know <laughs> um so yeah the, the, the sort of the the stereotypical diva influences Liza Minnelli massive influence on me um I loved those triple threat performers or the ones that did sort of you know more than one thing and the comedic women always really hit me um I always felt like I was even at a young age just like a little bit different kind of the quirky funny one like always kind of the sidekick mm. Um, so I loved Madeline Kahn, Tracy Ullman, Lily Tomlin, and you know, if they sang, it was even better. So Bernadette Peters, not not a sidekick, but a personal favorite as an Italian petite New Yorker. <laughs> Big inspiration for me. That that's a long ramble, but there you go. <laughs> no, I love it. I mean, it's it shows so much that what yeah. inspired you to get into this kind of work, but then you yourself are, are this triple threat that then does comedy and you do a vast amount of impressions. And we're gonna get to that in a minute, but we do have this little you know, throwback, the, the three of us. I mean, we met, gosh, like a decade ago on mm -hmm. cruise ships. And you were a guest entertainer at the time and doing this show where you are 
you are singing and, and doing these lovely, you know, songs, but you're also doing impressions of these, like you said, divas of mm-hmm. stage and screen. So, you know, what was it like to get into ships and doing, you know, your own show uh, and kind of how that, that really kind of launched it to a lot of stuff that you got to do in terms of, again, the impression yeah. work and video work and all that. That was really, I mean, when I met you, those were my first days ever headlining on cruise ships. Um, people always told so me I should do of, it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first time on ships. All first. Yeah. Um, it really was. It only did a couple. Um, basically, I when I became popular, we'll cover a lot of ground quickly. I became popular doing impressions before they were viable on, on YouTube and all that. Um, uh, in New York City in a, a long running show, cult favorite called Forbidden Broadway. Mm-hmm. And that show lovingly, for listeners who don't know, it lovingly spoofs and parodies all of the Broadway shows and their stars. So in, in, in that show that I, of course, went to see in New York City and had all the cast albums of for years and decades, um, in that show, if you do impressions, it's sort of a bonus. Because if you're going to lampoon someone like Barbara Streisand, you it's helpful to do an impression. If you're going to lampoon you know, Bernadette Peters in a Broadway show, it helps do the impression. And so for years, I would sort of sing along to the cast albums, essentially impersonating the impersonators. Um, and I always knew I did some voices. And so again, the short version of this story <laughs> is that um, sort of without a lot of um, confidence, more just like, oh, I got nothing to lose. When I saw an audition for this show that I'd love so much, it was an open call, read about it in Backstage, Backstage Magazine. Remember yeah. that? <laughs> um, where this is all the audition notices. And it was like, you know, a required call. I mean, I, that show had been running for 20 eight years with the time I auditioned for it, they had a huge stable of people. I feel like it was very much a required call that the union was making them have. Um, And this is all important because when I auditioned, I genuinely was like, well, it's not embarrassing if I go. I know I can, I know a lot of the material and I know that I can do some impressions. It's not, you know, I can change my voice and sound like other people, whether they like it or not is up to them. Um, And I had never (laughs) imagined that I would be cast in the show put in it in New York City immediately and then get reviewed in great publications like the New York Times as this great impressionist. When that happened, I went, okay, wow, you you got to do something with this. You need to work harder. You need to, you know, I wanted to make the most of the opportunity. Um, yes, I hoped that Broadway would come a calling and be like, she's a star, put her in this next show. And surprisingly enough, that didn't happen. And so I am glad that I just said, well, how do you maximize this? What do you do um, with, with, Every little bit of of exposure and attention you get, I feel like if you're in the arts, any area of the arts, not just performing, like you really should say, what's the big picture here? How, I don't want to just do this one thing. What can I do with it? And so thankfully, because I love performing and doing, you know, um, concerts in general, I was really never did anything on my own, but I'm not uh, afraid to talk to an audience. I thought, okay, I'm going to do a little show. And uh, luckily, the people at Birdland um, asked me to come do a show. And Jim Caruso, a famous Jim Caruso's cast party, he saw me there one night and said, you got to do a show here. And I thought, well, I've always wanted to. And with so quickly, we made it happen. Except I went, I need a show, though. I need <laughs> I need material. Yeah. And I, I decided not to do it small. I decided to invest. It sounds like so cheesy because Off-Broadway does not pay well. But I was like, I decided to invest in myself. And I spent a great deal of money on charts, Mm. charts for musicians that wasn't just piano, bass and drums, charts that were for piano, bass, drums, three horns, and then maybe additional pieces if I was asked to do it on a cruise ship or at a big corporate event or some big symphony or smaller orchestra. And I just thought, you'll use these. And 
gentlemen, that is really what happened. It's also why my charts were so hard to play and the cruise ship musicians absolutely hated me all the time because they were not made to be easy <laughs> read. And I didn't know that at the time, a worst nightmare. But um, basically I sat down and I thought you can't just do forbidden Broadway material or just Broadway material that alienates a whole group of, of, of people out there that don't know those jokes or those or those celebrities. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, okay, well, who else can I impersonate? And this is when I like locked myself in my apartment, just trying to do a billion voices. I knew I did a little Celine Dion because I had made some friends left before doing this on another cruise ship that I was working on. And uh, <laughs> and I remember I was I was actually in a production show on a cruise ship, my first and last, because I did not enjoy it. Um, and I wrote, this girl in the cast was always doing impressions and she was just kind of, she didn't like me and I didn't really know why and we didn't really get along and I was just like staying away. And she would always do these impressions and everybody would laugh. And one of the other cast members said, Christina, you you do that. You're Celine Dion. It's better. You should do that. I was like, absolutely not. I just cut myself off and I said, no, I don't want to get any, I don't need any bad mm -hmm. beef with this girl. So I'm just not going to do it. And I, impression missed out. Fight. <laughs> and I missed out on so many opportunities because on those cruise ships, when you are a performer of, of any type, sometimes they'll say, well, do you want to perform on a variety show or get up and sing with a band or whatever? And because I didn't attempt to do impressions in public then, I had always regretted it. So I was like, I'm going to make the most of it now. So I just went in deep doing, you know, I realized, okay, if you can do Celine, then you could probably do someone who's similar to Celine. You could do Shakira and everyone, everyone does a Britney Spears impression. Just go, ah, okay. So how do you actually do it though? And I kept trying to work on it until I found it, you know? And so if I go back, I hate the way I sound, even all, all those viral YouTube videos. I think all those impressions are rubbish because as you get like anything, the more you do it, the more you practice, the the better you become. Um, but I have mm -hmm. to give, and I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Nobody was telling me, no big manager, no big agent was like, you should make a big show. I just decided to go for it. And I'm so glad I did because one of the first things it, it allowed me to do was, you know, go on cruise ships and make good money and hone my more of my craft and and see what it was like and, and and write my own shows and make them better. And then when the bigger opportunities came knocking, I was ready. Love that. <laughs> Yeah. I'm not letting you talk. I'm so Italian. No, we love this. <laughs> no, no. This is about uh, you. You are the guest. Yes, exactly. Um, no, and I remember that. And it's like, uh, oddly enough, I know this is not about me, but that was actually when I did my first like little bit. I made my own little comedy bit. I don't know if you had, I remember we had the guest entertainer show and a couple of the crew helped me come up with something with impressions. Mm -hmm. So you inspired some of that uh, for sure. And so- that was uh, you were dubbed then at the time, or yeah, just before that, the woman of a thousand voices. Um, off the top of your head, do you know? Speaking of those voices, how many can you do? And you kind of tap into this. What's besides shutting yourself uh, off from the world? What's what's been your process when you're creating them, and how are you still creating new ones? I've never counted because I found a lot of people and particularly people that do impressions and stuff. And they always say, oh, I do this many voices. And obviously the girl of a thousand voices, I, I don't do a thousand voices. I mean, I don't, I, I definitely know that I do over 200. That's, that's the only thing I know. Over 200, it could be 201. It could be 246. I don't know, because I count different variations of cartoon characters because they are voices they're not just celebrities so when i count those little voices that i can do in those different because when you do a lot of voiceover work very often you have to sort of track your different um 
styles and characters, ones you've made up or ones that you've done. And so I have a log of some of those voices. So I have to count those. It's part of my job and I'm changing my voice. So if I do that, you know, I can give you a panoply of like Pixar characters and all that stuff, which I don't even post online, really. Um, so that's why I know it's over 200, because sometimes you get you into a movie or two and you're like, oh, that's like 25 people right there. <laughs> and then so it keeps going up. But like quality impressions that I think are are like really strong for me. It's probably, I know the number keeps getting lower. I'm like less impressive. I probably would be comfortable for you like jumping into like 80, 80 impressions or so. Um, after that, I go, okay, what is it? Okay, can you give me a reference? Okay, and then I kind of hop in to do the voice. Um, but yeah, I've definitely been hired and paid to do well over 200. It's not as impressive as saying a thousand, but that's why they don't have me make the titles. <laughs> the girl of about 200 voices. You know, what's funny. There, there are a lot of people that used to make that as a gimmick. There's a really talented impressionist in the UK that was like, we're going to get 200 voices and, and within one show. And I was like, well, then I'll be sitting there trying to count the whole yeah. time. And then isn't that like quantity over quality? And I thought that it was sort of undercutting the talent of this person. Um, so I thought never don't do that. So I stopped doing that sort of thing. I did, I did one show and I, I do it sometimes um, for corporate things where I do an A to Z of impressions. Cause I sing, I'm every woman I can channel one right now when he went from A to Z and then you do a little A to Z and that's, that's reasonable. You know, that's not so many to shove into a little set. Um, and it's also, you, you can do better versions of them and for more than just a megasecond. So that was the first part of your question. I forgot the second already. Cause I kept talking. <laughs> no, I think no, that's, that's great. fine. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about a night of a thousand voices, the twelve-hour concert with Christina Bianco. Yeah, yeah. This everybody's will take a they while. always say the night of a thousand stars and night of a thousand voices. It's usually more like forty. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> well, um, I do want to go into okay. You know, we all, all, everyone was affected by this, but you kind of found this new creative way to to continue performing when the pandemic hit. Uh, obviously, performing was just. Mm was stopped you know obviously live performing was shut down for quite some time so you know during that time um you know what was kind of going through your head uh and and what kind of fueled your your desire to continue finding ways to create and use your voices and this talent uh through the visual yeah. medium of, of youtube and videos this is quite a bit involved for me because i had a real roller coaster of emotion about it um and not just not just because we were all going through, you know, this terrible thing, this terrible pandemic. But um, I, again, we'll probably touch on it later, but I, um, when I had these videos go viral on YouTube of me doing impressions, everybody and their mother had advice for me. Everybody wanted to tell me what to do or how to do it and make these videos. Don't make a video, make another one just like it. No, no, don't do that. No, take that video down. That's not right for you. So me and YouTube and videos became something that I was sort of annoyed with, even though I had, because all the videos that I'd posted were me performing live in front of an audience without being able to do a replay with all the imperfections. I mean, that viral video of me singing, let it go. I do terrible impressions. And I will say that out loud. I do terrible impressions and I get all the lyrics wrong. And I was not even going to post it. My mom was like, the song is so popular. Just post it. Just go for it. And then it went viral and I was actually embarrassed. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible, but okay, now I'm on now, now they're talking about me on MSNBC. Like it was just a really weird thing. But I bring this up because I've always had a love-hate relationship with, with social media mm. and th those sort of platforms because it has given me so many opportunities and opened so many doors for me, but I, I don't love it. I never wanted to create content for the screen. 
And I got lucky that stuff that I did happened to get attention mm. on a screen. So I started having a little more fun with like Instagram and, and shorter videos and little things, but I always posted them on YouTube first and then put them on the other form of social media. I was, I like to be more creative about the stuff I did, but I ended up being quite reluctant to post it and share it and tailor it to that medium. So when everybody started immediately saying, then we have to bring everything online. Let's take my weekly show and put it online and let's do a concert and let's do this. And I was not having it. I was like, Mm -hmm. I have done this before and I do not want to do it now. I needed a break. I had also was literally like off a plane from the best gig of my life um, playing this fabulous role of Fanny Bryce in the show Funny Girl in Paris. We closed the show as we, we, we had such a successful show. We extended the run. We closed on March 7th. I flew home March 9th and everything shut down on March 12th in Paris and a couple days later in New York City. So when I say I went from like sipping Sancerre on the Seine and performing the best role ever to sold out audiences with two balconies, not doing impressions. <laughs> just being Christina, mm-hmm. all of a sudden people were like, oh, can you sing on this thing? And can you do impressions and grab one of your wigs and do something funny? I was like, absolutely not. I wasn't in the right mental place for it. I really mm-hmm. was just like somebody else's turn to do this. And I took my time and I sang a few guest spots and I threw on a few wigs and I had my little morning period. And eventually I went, okay, this is going to be a long time. How do you use this? You want to perform, you want to keep your audience, you also want to entertain people you've never even met before and bring them some joy in this terrible time. And then there's the business part of you that says, if I invest in some of this equipment, then will I maybe be able to do other stuff that I can maybe get paid for if you do it? And you do think about that because you have to, Mm -hmm. um, because it's my livelihood, you know? And so I took the time, created some little videos, and then finally went, I mean, my husband and I created some pretty... And for a studio apartment with no budget and very little tech training, I would say we created some pretty cool videos <laughs> because we really don't know what we're doing um, in our little studio apartment, green screen. We had never worked with green screens before. And I just thought, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, let me do it in a way I've never done it before. If it's all digital and it's all on a screen, then I need to step it up and I need to be better about that on-screen stuff. And it actually, over the like, sort of two years when everything happened and, and came sort of to the what we call the end of this pandemic season. Um, it brought me so many more followers and new work and new attention to me um, because I never really had done that before. No, I, and again, I wasn't doing it for the views. I was not hashtagging the right stuff. And I certainly wasn't tagging the song that everyone was, you know, was trending on TikTok. Maybe had I done that, I'd, I don't know. I'd blow up in another way. But I was like, no, no, I'm just going to do this for me and push myself creatively and whatever happens, happens. And so um, then we pushed ourselves even farther and got into the whole live stream uh, part of it, which is one of the ones that Taylor joined me on to do a little a little impression fest. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was fun. I got to get together with friends mm-hmm. and we tried to raise money for, I didn't raise a lot of money, but some money for some um, causes that meant a lot to me. And uh, so I got to be creative, have fun, connect with people and push myself. And I will tell you after those live streams and having that stuff, it did lead to some work that did pay some bills. And I was really grateful that like everything fell into place. And I think right before I started to maybe hate it again, I had to put it away. And I was very happy to put that away. <laughs> well, it's, it's almost like a, a toolbox you can pull when you need it. Um, but it, yeah, yeah. It, it was, yeah, everyone had to adapt to 
this new way of entertaining people and uh yeah and i i adapted by saying maybe maybe moira rose and karen walker knew each other as you know socialites <laughs> in new york and maybe they should reenact a scene from beaches i don't understand what's wrong with me but this is this is what i did hey you're just this adapting is... to the the <laughs> multiverse trend that's happening <laughs> yeah like i said <laughs> niche <laughs> i did not do it for the general public i did it for myself yeah. <laughs> but i you know i think that's but that's part of the social media. It's like you don't create something that you think people enjoy. What do you find entertaining? Because then there's more passion behind it. It's not like just to get the the likes and stuff like that. So, yeah. but it's funny too when you come up with all this content and be like, "Oh, I know this person. I know her way back when." You know what? <laughs> you miss you. You know, uh, but yeah, and I, that was awesome to be a part of that. I know that you had that one cause that was raising like money. Um, for I think it was it was for dogs, right? It was yeah, um, Camp Happy Tales. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. yes. It was so much a, fun. Um, check it out; it's a great, great place. <laughs> um, but you actually brought up a good thing that was going to be our next question, kind of segueing in. Um, Diva yourself and Diva Moments was was your show. One of the divas, Barbara Streisand, you know, talked about how funny enough that she's part of your part of your repertoire, and then you got to play the show that was, you know, made famous uh, by her, Fanny yeah. Bryce, um, and getting to perform in Paris. Um, how did that opportunity come about? And what was that experience like getting to not only just to not have to do a show with impressions, but to do and perform a role that, you know, you've is, is long coveted? Um, well, I've, in addition to doing, as I've sort of alluded to all the voices and impressions of my own concert, I've always been a singer and an actor in my own right. So I was always auditioning for, for shows. Um, and uh, once I started to work abroad, um, I got an agent here in the UK, and that meant that I could also be considered for, uh, you know, theatrical productions, plays and musicals and whatnot here in the UK as well. So um, that's the sort of, you know, main reason I could even audition for this piece, because although I should say it was, it was performed in Paris, it was a big British production. So um, one of the people who I met uh, during my concerts in New York, excuse me, in New York and in London is a fabulous director and choreographer here in the UK named Stephen Meir. Look him up if you don't know anything about him. He's just brilliant. Um, was an incredible performer for years and then segued into choreography and directing. And I, he seemed to see me in New York. He saw me um, perform at the Hippodrome in London, my big sold out concerts right off the back of my viral YouTube videos. He saw me perform at a little gay bar in Sitches. Um, you know, you never know when you're meeting these people, you never know. It can be casual, it can be laid back, but they're important people. And if you're always your best and you're always a nice person, they'll hopefully remember that. And so it, he had brought me in the room from a few auditions over the years, you know, when he was just choreographer, um, you don't, you don't have the full say, you know, and all that, but he always was in my corner and he was always pushing for me. And, um, I loved that. I loved that even though he knew I did all the impressions and stuff, he never went, oh, she just does those voices. She's just silly. He thought, well, if she can yeah. sing all those different voices and style, she's probably quite talented. <laughs> and, you know, she could do, you know, she could probably sing it herself. He never and thought he was I was right. just a girl that did the voices. <laughs> and I do have to say, to, to get too like artsy here, but like in 
New York, I was very often told that my two worlds wouldn't mm. meld, that my concert work and the viral sensation stuff really wouldn't blend with the theater world. Well, you jump forward to years later, you can see that that really is not the case anymore. Everyone sort of knows that that popularity and social media these days helps you uh, get jobs. You're not going to get the biggest role just by rolling in and having followers. It's not what I'm saying, but it's become something that's more common. When I got quote, showing your versatility popular, and showing yeah, all the stuff, yeah, yeah, when I got popular with my videos. It wasn't about the number of views. Gosh, look at the videos I posted. It was like, oh, she has 25 million views. That's like 30 million collectively or something I think I have. That's nothing. Kids have 30 million on one video these days. Everything's yeah. different. So what I ended up getting was because I was the first person to go viral doing impressions, singing impressions. I got media attention. So it wasn't about the views. It was about that I was on the Ellen DeGeneres show and I was on the radio and they put me in magazines and all these different TV interviews. And that's where it really took off for me. So uh, the reason I bring that up is because I was sort of told it didn't matter. It wasn't going to help me get theatrical work. And in, in New York, it really didn't. But for some reason in the UK, it always did, which is why one of the reasons I live here now. <laughs> um, they always yeah. they always sort of um, gave me opportunities as a performer, not as the funny character actress that did voices. And so when you get Which is better interesting. Yeah, when you get the better whole, opportunities, it doesn't mean you get the job, but just getting in the room and being treated in a in a way that was more open minded made me happier and a better performer. And I was more interested in continuing those relationships with the people in the room. So to get back to Funny Girl. Knowing Stephen Meir for years and having him see me do various things, theatrically and concert mm -hmm. work, he tells me this. I just saw him mention he was doing it on social media, on Twitter, and he had put announced it was announced that he was directing it. And I thought, oh, that's perfect for you. I can't wait to see what you do with the show. And I, for me, who's usually very passive on social media, I wrote, and I know a, a petite New Yorker, you should consider. It's like a joke because thinking, thinking they've already got some yeah. big celebrity attached. So I'm just being cute, you know. And he wrote back publicly, you'd be brilliant. And I thought, oh, isn't that lovely? He's probably cast <laughs> a big celebrity, but isn't that lovely? Cut to he, the, the casting team reached out to my agent and said, would Christina come in for Fanny Bryce? And uh, I was in New York. So I filmed a video in my apartment, you know, um, uh, that did yeah. the music in a music room, but then I did the scenes in the apartment with my husband reading with me the way you always do for self tapes. You just make it happen. And long story yeah. short, over a lot of big famous West end performers, little Christina from New York got the part and off funny girl. I was the only American in this big British cast, uh, big West End team, and then playing in Paris, the Theatre Marigny under the direction, the artistic direction of Jean-Luc Chaplin, who is the coolest man ever. He's the brainchild and executive producer of um, American in Paris. So you can thank him for that beautiful production. Um, I will. <laughs> he apparently watched the videotape because they both swear this is true, him and Stephen, that they watched my videotape after they auditioned all these other people. And off that first audition tape, Jean-Luc looked to Stephen and went, that is our funny, that is her, that is her. So they just saw something in me. Yeah. And that's what you hope. You know what I mean? And that changed my life. Even just getting the part, I knew it'd be a fun show. I knew it'd be a reputable theater and a big production. And to lead it was be a thrill of a lifetime. But to have somebody have that faith in you, when I'd never been given such a platform like that, it absolutely made me... I don't know. It just changes you. You 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 want to work harder. You want to be better, but you also respect yourself more, which then makes you a better performer. So, it just was absolutely the most wonderful opportunity, and uh, we were a hit. We were unanimously 
getting these rave reviews across the world. People from New York came. I mean, a little paper called the New York Times raved about our production, but you know, not that I'm going to talk about that. It was just nothing at all, nothing at all. Um, and the thing is, like, we were maybe going to transfer and do something else. It didn't happen because of the pandemic, because the Broadway production was going to happen. I wish everybody the best. There's no hard feelings. I thought I was doing that show for four weeks. I ended up doing it or for like six weeks. We ended up doing it for like five months. And the yeah. fact that I'm that people still say, oh, my gosh, I read in the New York Times about, you know, you're, you know, playing Fanny Bryce. And even when they were talking about and interviewing people about the New York um, Broadway production, uh, there was a big interview with Beanie Feldstein. And then they they mentioned our show that she came to see the production we did in Paris. And then there was my name and it said, Bianca, who played it to unanimous, like rave review. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like you wrote this. Th this job was the best thing that ever happened to me. Just, just like I said, creatively and personally. And I, I'll, it's a time of my life I'll never forget. And the fact that it was such an incredible time of my life that was then, of course, immediately followed up with <laughs> the <laughs> lockdown. It, it actually yeah. it made part, part of it made it more difficult and part of it made it even more special because to go from such a high to such a low within it was also like, yeah, there's most most of life is in between and you got to enjoy every freaking second of it. So, yeah, I've been so grateful. And it led me to other great opportunities and leading ladies and um, it led me to the UK tour, the rise and fall of Little Voice and now to my uh, the big playing the venue that everybody wants to play, the London Palladium. And I'm randomly oh. Glinda in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you wouldn't think that this girl would be Glinda, but I'm not your mama's Glinda. Um, and I have to say, so I, th I thank Stephen yeah. Meir for, yeah, I thank Stephen Meir for giving me a platform where I was viewed as, even though it was a funny girl, she was funny, but she's a leading lady. And so it gave me so many more opportunities to be taken seriously as an actor. Uh, and so it's been a great, great time. And actually before I went to do The Wizard of Oz, um, I was asked to do a run of my own solo concert doing impressions at a theater in London called the Menier Chocolate Factory. So back to back, I got to do a Christina Bianco concert doing all the voices and then play Glinda, absolutely not doing any of that. So I'm so lucky and so fulfilled. I hope it keeps up, but if, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, it's interesting you brought that up. Um, just on a side note, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts of like, actors talk to actors and whatnot and there's something about you can have all the talent in the world which you do you have this amazing talent but it also takes like one person to see like i see something in them and you think about it's always sunny in, in philadelphia you know it took a couple execs to see something that this was just a couple of guys filming something and now it's lasted all this season so it's it's things like that you it takes like it takes two to tango you need to have that that eye for it it's not just the talent but if you have an eye for talent that's even, it's a match made in heaven. So I think that's amazing. So, I mean, we've been talking a lot about uh, your stage work, which uh, we know you absolutely love doing. And it's fantastic that, you know, you've kind of melded these two worlds of the impression comedy, but also getting to do actual theatrical pieces. But you have dabbled work as well. Um, you know, just a few credits here from ITV's The Imitation Game, Pop TV's Impress Me, Hallmark Sign Still Delivered, and... One that I personally love with your, you know, your voiceover work is you've provided these voices uh, and songs for RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, which is about, you know, I know <laughs> everyone loves so it, but I mean, by that. only you all knew how little it paid. And I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not <laughs> kidding, but it's not. <laughs> it's just well, it is funny. You know, some of these musicals that you do are so fun to watch. And, you know, of course, everyone loves the performance, but it's like, you know, none of them saying that someone else had to sing that because <laughs> they're lip syncing. Lip -syncing. <laughs> That's the whole point. Um, but, you know, 
in terms of like with the RuPaul work or just, you know, screen work, you know, I know you said earlier, you, you kind of have this love hate relationship with doing stuff on screen, but if it's something that someone else is doing and you're just part of the fun, is that something you want to keep doing? Is it something that, you know, you've enjoyed doing, uh, whether it is just voiceover work or you actually on the screen, you know, tell us about your, your kind of screen work uh, career and, and what maybe you see in sure. the future for that, apart from performing live on sure, stage. Sure. Um, first of all, just to go with RuPaul, I always enjoyed watching the show and I always wondered, you know, who did those voices and whatever. So I, when I got um, asked that you just call out of the blue being like, we want Christina to do some of these voices. Is she interested? And the first I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, like I said, it's not like anyone will tell you it's, it's not a big, crazy, you know, paying job. Um, and this is, I'll tell you why, just so you don't think I'm, you know, slagging anybody off here is because RuPaul's Drag Race in the world of like you know contracts and everything is not technically a union job it is oh. not technically a non-union job it is a gray area well not gray actually i guess it's oh. called a clear in a weird area that it is considered drum roll please a documentary even oh. though it is clearly a reality oh. <laughs> competition program yeah. <laughs> it is is a documentary i'm not blowing anything yeah. by saying that you can look that up so um, mm -hmm. therefore, they don't have to pay you union <laughs> rates for things. Um, <laughs> wow. So you you know you know what you're getting, and you're like, that's fine. And sometimes when they call, you go, oh, I don't really have time for this right now. And sometimes you go, if you let anybody else do that impression, I will be so upset. Please let me do this for that person. It's really great. Sometimes they don't tell you who it's for. Sometimes they don't give you all the details. Um, but I've had so much fun doing a lot of those voices. Um, my first one was for. RuPaul's, uh, what was it? It was it was Drag Race All Stars season three, and to me that was the first and the best because I got to do Dolly Parton, Celine Dion, Stevie Nicks, Amy Winehouse, Lionel Del Rey, who you didn't hear, but I recorded it, and gosh, somebody else big. Oh, the big one, oh. Julie Andrews for Ben de la Creme, and that is uh, the yes. best. I mean, that was such a <laughs> highlight of my life because I love Ben de la Creme. <laughs> I love Julie Andrews and having Julie Andrews mm -hmm. rap. I mean, it just brings me so much joy. It brings so many people so much joy. I want to do all the lyrics because I'm sure they're too risque for your listeners. But what's it like? <clears throat> um, Guess who's back in the house? He is click-clacking about. Fine, fresh, feminine style to 11's divine. So heavenly dabs across the board, no doubt. What do you like? Wow. <laughs> you know, it's like you go sort of not doing a great Julie Andrews. But it's just so weird to pop into that. <laughs> that um realm with that crazy like underneath it is julie andrews where do you get to do this? and then to watch someone in fact this is the best example i did a voice for all stars um was it a oh, celebrity like Ru rupaul rupaul's drag race but like with the celebrities doing it mm. so i got to watch vanessa williams do dolly parton oh, to wow. my voice that is cool how's that <laughs> for weird <laughs> I mean, when do you get to do this stuff? It's absolutely spectacular. Um, so th that is it, funny because to me that's voiceover work, but it happens to be on television. When it comes mm -hmm. to TV and film, I've never really, I never really tried to pursue a career in TV and film. If I was going to be on TV, I always thought it'd be very kitschy, sitcommy sort of stuff. That's sort of my broad, um, dramatic upbringing and comedic upbringing. Like I feel like if you're going to be a little more broad, it's going to be more of a sitcom style. Um, but I, you know, I have done well and you know, auditioning for things, not, not booked everything, but auditioning for straight stuff. And, um, 
I was really lucky that I got, again, I got to combine impressions with, you know, serious quote unquote straight acting in a show called Impress Me. You can watch it on Amazon Prime now still. Um, and it's, it's literally a show about two um, well-known impressionists in LA that decide like they're not being taken seriously and they want to quote unquote go straight and do no more impressions and like how that affects their lives. And the really funny thing is right after doing that show, one of the lead actors on it, Ross Marquand, and booked Walking Dead. And that's what he's totally known for. So he definitely, quote unquote, yeah. went straight and never went back to impressions, <laughs> except for making, again, little viral Instagram videos and stuff that everyone was like, what? He can do that too? And I was like, I knew him first. That's what he always did. Um, so I really enjoy doing those, um, but I'm, I'm, I don't, I haven't pursued a lot of it in the past few years because when the ball started rolling in the theatrical world, I kept it you know, wanted to keep it rolling there, but you know, I still, I still dabble. If the right thing comes along, that would be really great. Um, when it comes to voiceovers though, again, I, I do a lot more voiceover work, particularly since moving abroad. So I do, yeah, lots of oh. little things. You might hear me on some video games. You might hear me, um, on some, you know, commercials and, and stuff like that. And, uh, a movie or two popping oh. up, but I can't talk about it now, you know, so it's really cool that I get to keep the voices and that's, going. And that's such a great career that you always have that voices will always, you know, doesn't matter what you look like or anything like that, that there's always these, those opportunities to do that. But um, Christina, you've tackled so many avenues performing. Um, I mean, uh, from concerts to uh, theatrical productions to like we just, everything we've talked about, like what is there else to conquer in your career that you haven't done? You know, what are your dream projects or ideas you like to achieve next? What's, what's the goals? Um, everybody always asks me this and it's always like, I just want to keep working. It's like, okay, I'll give you some big specifics. My goal was never to play Madison Square Garden. I never wanted to be a big concert artist like that. But, um, now that people are sort of taking more notice of me as a singer in my own right, um, the next big thing is a studio album. I have a live album where I did my own voice and impressions and I wanted to make it like a throwback old school live album like Sammy Davis Jr. and, mm. and Judy Girl, where you could hear the dialogue and really feel like you were in the room. I did that. That was great. Now I want to do a studio album. And um, that's that's something that I have to make happen for myself with some producers, but it's definitely in the works already. It's going to happen. Always wanted to do it and hopefully it will lead to more. And in this day and age, you don't have to make albums. You can just make singles. And so look out for a lot more music that you can listen to on Spotify and the like without impressions by Christina Bianco. That's happening. Um, I would love to do a really beautiful straight play. I would love to play, since I'm in London, let me just say, like, I'd love to do something at the National Theater. It's such a prestigious um, theater, such a fantastic place uh, with such pedigree. That would be a really cool thing to to check off you know, the list of uh, played shows in the West End, played the Palladium. Okay. So what's next? National theater sounds pretty good. And doing something a little more, you know, not that the Wizard of Oz isn't great, but to do something a little more serious would be, would be really cool for me mm -hmm. to um, exercise that. Cause even the last really serious play I did was Little Voice, uh, which if you look up that uh, play, but you can also watch the movie, the beautiful movie, Little Voice, it was an adaptation of the play. You'll see that it also involves what? Impressions. So it'd be nice to do a, a straight play that also doesn't involve <laughs> impressions. <laughs> Um, and then, oh, so many people I know, so many people I know have performed at Carnegie Hall, one note in a chorus, solo shows, I don't know, playing a piccolo. And mm. I have never set foot on that stage. 
So that's something I'd like to check off the list as well. I mean, I love doing symphony shows. I've been lucky enough to do my own solo symphony show. I always wanted to, you know, play cool venues. I played the Sydney Opera House. Basically, I mean, one of the smaller rooms, but still, I played the Sydney Opera House. Like, I've done so many things that I never thought I'd ever do. I always think I have no idea what to manifest. You know, it's like it's it's the possibilities mm-hmm. are endless and you just hope you keep getting opportunities. But yeah, those those would be great. I, I just I would love for my um concert work to now involve a little more me because I sort of really lean toward impressions before. So finding a marriage of the the two sides of Christina would be really great. And uh and since we talked about film i would love to do more tv work i'd love to do it so that i hopefully that's in the cards as well why not and as i get older i could be that like yeah. real gritty yeah little cigarette like you know how you doing there <laughs> your rent's late yeah yeah that's right oh my gosh come on i mean i would be the perfect like estelle on friends in a sitcom i mean like come on it's perfect for me do all the voices any of the funny Maybe they have yeah, yeah, multiple that's personalities. Christina's yeah. next show, the voices in my head. Yeah. You could do like yeah. a comedy movie of Split. That would be so great. Yeah. Somebody please write that. Well, I'll write it with me because we all have yeah. ideas. We should write we'll it. Come we'll come up. Hey, together. we just talked about we'll come up with our own stuff. Uh <laughs> and we'll get the orchestra. They'll hate us, but it'll be great. Um but uh <clears throat> why not? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Dream big, kids. Dream big. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, Christina, we really have loved having you on today and catching up and just talking about your wonderful career, but we're not okay. done yet. We do have our five podcast yeah. I've questions. I've tried really so hard to not, not plan questions. answers for these. So I, can- I know. These are these are kind of tough for some people because some of them are hard to answer. But starting off, if you have one or can name one, what is your favorite movie? The first thing that pops into my head is obscure and weird, and I'm going for it. My Blue Heaven. It stars Steve Martin as oh. an Italian mobster. So I'm telling you, Rick Moranis as a straight lace cop. Uh, Joan Cusack, this cast is comedy gold. Joan Cusack, an even more straight lace cop. And it's about um, yeah, Steve Martin is this you know, mobster. He gets relocated from New York City to the Midwest was as part of the um, witness protection program. And so... He's got to just like try to tone down his persona and pretend he's not this mobster. And it is just so funny and has so much heart. It's underrated, but people that know it quote it all the time. It's a cult favorite. So I'm going to go with My Blue Heaven. I have so many other movies I could mention if I'm allowed to mention like honorable mention stuff. But I, I My Blue Heaven is the first thing that popped into my head. I also like, you know, quality dramatic movies, but right. I felt like this was the right choice. <laughs> That plot almost sounds like a like a little it precursor to Tulsa King. Oh, <laughs> they're not this. They're not similar. Although, although yeah. Tulsa King, they uh, they uh, don't uh, shy away from them yeah, the mob no, mentality. No. But that, that sounds um, very interesting. We, check that one out. Never heard of it. It's I'm really check funny. I out. promise you. Um, number two, um, I can only guess, but what would be your favorite TV show or TV series of yours? It's it's impossible to pick one. Um, yeah, this is absolutely killing me. Yeah, because I'm only thinking of like contemporary ones now that are not like not the legacy ones that I should be thinking of. Favorite TV series? Oh my god, I, you're gonna expect me to say something like Breaking Bad, and I'm gonna say something like New Girl. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. Oh god, 
That's um, fine. That's fine. I know, great. but there's like, there's like, there's, we love Shit's Creek. We love, oh God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go comedy again. I'm not just a, a funny girl, but man, I'm going to have to go for something. I love Frasier. Oh man. Uh, it's driving me nuts. Can you give me one second? Oh, no, I'm out of time. You're going to have to edit this out. <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> For those of you listening, she's clutching her jaw and she's punching the sky with anger because she can only pick one. Okay. You know, it's such a tough question. This is oh. okay. So, no, no. Uh, can I say that it's, I can't say it's my favorite, but it's the one that I've been, I'm going to go back and just say something. So, it's not my all time favorite because I can't even think mm-hmm. of what an all time favorite would be. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But a show that surprised me, a show that I thought I was not going to like, that then I just watched, particularly when I was moving across an ocean and packing on both sides of the ocean. All I would do is run through all the seasons of New Girl because I always thought I wasn't going to like it. And I love <laughs> I love Zoe Deschanel. In fact, I'm wearing, I'm rocking a lot of polka dots right now, actually. <laughs> so cute. So adorable. Um, but I'm really rocking these polka dots for reals. Um, I thought, oh, she's cute. But I don't really care. Like, I, I don't really, you know, I don't. And the show is not about her. She is the perfect, even though she's quirky and hysterical. She's like the straight man to the other guys on the show mm-hmm. that were so funny. I mean, every day I'm quoting Schmidt or Nick Miller, and very much like Sunny in Philadelphia, which is why I brought this up. And the the other, you know, I'm loving Ted Lasso is was one of my favorite shows ever. And so I, it's only three seasons. I wanted to go with Legacy here, and as as hard as it is to feel old to be like New Girl was on so many years ago, but it was. And that show has been the gift that has kept on giving for years. I came to it late, but when when I need to turn my frown upside down, when I am just going through it, or there's a rainy day, or you're packing up boxes, new girl cracks me up. So that's the long answer to that very easy question. It's one mm. of my favorites. It's it's a great show. It really is. <laughs> Who's that girl? Um, it's just I don't know. I just I was like, why'd you give me a you? cookie? I, so I just got it because I like you. It's like <laughs> don't give another man a cookie. <laughs> I give me cookie, give me cookie. I give you a cookie. So you could do this all day. There's <laughs> actually a fun moment I just saw a TikTok of uh speaking of new girl that um there is a jacket that Ryan Gosling wears as Ken in the new Barbie movie. It's in the trailers where he's a cowboy. And that is the exact same one that Schmidt wears in. I love it. Love it. Yeah. Um, or at least it looks exactly the Brilliant. same. So, well, the next question, you know, you, you've, you know, a little, a little tease for us that you have some voice work in the possible video <laughs> games, but you yourself, do you have a favorite video game or video game series? <laughs> no. I you don't game. know you anything don't game about gaming. I am the worst. My voiceover agent hates me for this. I know nothing. That's why when you used to want me to talk about gaming, Taylor, I was like, I have nothing She's like, what? to offer you. What is this uh, thing here? Anything. The Xbox uh, 64? It is not my world. And I'm well, going to be really honest I'll... about it. Like, I had a Sega Genesis. And I had a Nintendo okay. Okay. and I played those games and I had, and then my mom bought me like a Harry Potter game. And I was like, mom, you can't just buy me a Harry Potter game. Like, this is not what I'm supposed to be playing. I was supposed to be playing cool games. And she's like, like what? I was like, well, I'll tell you what to get me. And I never did. And I never gamed again. I just knew I shouldn't be Harry Potter. It just, it just left. I'm so it sorry to gone. offer you nothing here, but I'm too busy. That's too fine. busy listening fine. to old Bette Midler. Yeah. And Liza Minnelli is album. That is your video game. <laughs> I just, I mean, listen, Liza just, all these, all these bips and beps and all that stuff. I just can't compete. 
with the pizzazz and the kicks and the lashes of Liza Minnelli. That, that's your video games is acting out these roles. That's that's you're like I I don't need to play games. I lived it. Well, there's there's a show that I was thinking I would create, and I was calling it Battle of Divas. There you go. That's so, the next yeah, uh, game. It's going to be you voicing all the divas fighting in a Smash Brothers style. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's excellent. I okay, really love that. Creating idea a movie and or show and a game. It. So this is write this down, people. Um, so it is. It it's is very productive um, session. Number four. Uh, we are typically very nerdy. Um, you know, podcast. Uh, you know, Chris and I, self-proclaimed nerds. What would you say your nerd level is on a scale of one to ten? One being, uh, you're you're kind of nerdy. Ten, like super nerd. Maybe like, and it could be nerdy about anything. I'm 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 okay. definitely over five for well, for a lot of categories. I'm gonna go with a. I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm usually six or seven. I would say seven for definitely. I'm a nerd about so many quote unquote old school things and Mm -hmm. i'm a nerd about um stephen sondheim and musical theater i mean anybody who can sing every single note of one of those shows is a little bit of a musical theater nerd you know but um because of my my infatuation with people like judy garland and sammy davis jr i think i'm probably a seven That's that's. Solid. I also am that's the sort of solid. person that I like that... to read books and I like to, um, you know, I, I'd rather ha- I always say I'd rather have a notebook and a rotary phone to this day than a computer and a cell phone. Like, I just don't I don't like writing and I like writing things down in a journal and I like talking to people in person. I don't like any of this. Like if, if I could turn it all off, I really, really would. And I just, you know, that's my favorite stuff. Love that. Well, our final question. This is going to be very challenging for you. Okay. Give us your best impression. Oh, no. I totally <laughs> avoided this one. Well, I love that. We do this question and some of our guests will be like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't like have impressions or like just quote a movie or something. <sighs> quote a movie or you, something. the queen of a thousand yeah. voices. You only get one? Um, All of a sudden, do a just, smattering yeah, of Or them. if you want, you just spat off for like okay. two minutes. Just yeah. Okay. Just do whatever you want. Just give us well, some one of the first voices I ever did was the Broadway, but also film and television star Bernadette Peters. Bernadette Peters. She's so lovely, and she sounds a little bit like a cartoon character. But this is the way that she really sounds. But then most people are impressed with the one who really does sound like a cartoon character, which is Kristen Chenoweth, who sounds like she's just on helium, except when she hits those high operatic notes. Nope, but she talks like this, and she's just so cute. She's also four foot eleven, just like Judy Garland, who's saying somewhere over the rainbow. That was older Judy, and if you didn't know, Judy is Liza Minnelli's mother. Hey, and by the way, Christina is doing a fabulous, fabulous concert of all of my show, Liza with a Z with the London Gay Big Band on September 16th in Brighton. I know most of your listeners don't know what that is, but I wanted to plug it because it's spectacular to hear an incredible 28-piece band play that music. Oh, my God. Now, who would talk about that? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Jennifer Aniston. Because I know I know that you love... <clears throat> Excuse me, Jennifer. And I, I do prefer the sort of like Rachel on Friends, uh, you know, Jennifer Aniston uh, as opposed to like the morning show because, you know, Rachel interacted with Phoebe. Oh, God. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Um, And I guess if I just had to do somebody else right now, 
I don't know. I did Zoya de Chanel for you. And um, if I did a little bit of Celine Dion for you, Barbara Streisand, and we talked about Barbara, but I didn't actually do her and say hello, gorgeous. But there she is for you. And I feel like I should do like, oh, we talked about Shit's Creek. So there's some Moira Rose for you. And um, this is like really hard. I'm running out of ideas because I don't do this all the time. But um, that was, we just, we just couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> stop laughing. Bravo. That was the best. We're not going to ask that anymore because you've just, you've just going, broken the mold. So, uh. no. wow. That was brilliant. I was just, that was brilliant. I was just watching um, uh, something with Miley Cyrus and I was like, it's so funny, those commercials and those little ads and the little reels these days that have Miley Cyrus talking and then they have like a, or French they have one of the little rascals. Yeah. Voice. <laughs> yeah. Is that, cause I like to do Miley Cyrus, but when I do Miley Cyrus, it's like, yeah. it's like not that low. It's kind of like down here. Miley Cyrus. I really like it. It's really cool. But like, she is getting lower and deeper as she sings. And so it's like, it's really, I was like, I was going to do her. And I was like, I don't think I'm low enough to do Miley um, right now. But this, this was a pleasure, Christina. And actually it's funny so to tell my audience, actually so good. the UK makes up a good percentage, like the, the top three of our listeners. So I know that your listeners in the UK and Europe will definitely appreciate this, but it was such a pleasure having you on, not only because we get to chat with you because you're so busy, but um, we get to learn a little more about you. And this was great. Um, for those of uh, our listeners who know you or who don't know you and want to follow you on social, um, where can they, where can they follow you? Mm-hmm. Sure. First of all, if you're if you're really daring and you want to go to an actual website, there it's we christinabianco.com. And that website will then lead you to these other places. We're still on Twitter, just you know, we're we're just seeing how it all shakes out. <laughs> Xtina Bianco one. Xtina Bianco one. I am also Xtina Bianco one on Instagram. And I am that handle because it was the only version of my name that was left across multiple platforms. Uh TikTok, the Ex Tina Bianco. And uh, that's about all the really yeah. important ones. And I'm on Facebook, but again, that's for your moms, right? And I'm I'm yeah. there for your mothers and your grandparents as well. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This is yeah, it's been an absolute blast catching up and thank you for entertaining us with some lovely stories yeah. and your voices. And uh yeah, people go if you haven't checked her out yet, go watch her stuff because She's brilliant. Thank you. And, there's uh, a lot of content. To see <laughs> yeah, there's so much. But hopefully, you know, one day get to see you uh, perform on stage. That again. would be lovely. Perhaps at Carnegie Hall. Crystal, or, Crystal, we'll all make or, a trip you know, yes, to New York. Yes. One, one day. day at Carnegie Hall. One day it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. It'll so lovely happen. chatting with you both. Thank you so much for having me and uh, letting me just, you know, share. And let, I mean, now I really have to figure out what my favorite movie and television show are. I am really up a tree. A couple nights later, she's going to sh- shoot <laughs> awake like, I knew it. I am. I'm going to sh- 100% going to happen in like 15 minutes. I'm going to call you and be like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, I should have yeah. said this. And, uh, but it yeah. is what it is. That's what I said in the moment. Uh, That's what happened. Oh. Sherlock. I love Sherlock. Oh, man. Oh, darn it, Bianco. You couldn't even talk about <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch. You couldn't Elementary. Do. Yeah. And on that note, <laughs> yes. thank you very much. Take care. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's It's so funny when you talk to someone you've been talked to in a really long time mm-hmm. um and it feels like times never passed it's like you an know? old shoe you just slip right back in <laughs>
Um, but she's, she's so quick, you. <laughs> you know, she's so adorable. And you just tell like, she, she has her stuff down, you know, it's like, she just that bit right there. You know, we always ask our guests to do an impression and she went through like 12 of them in the span of two minutes. And that was just a taste of what she can do. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just so refreshing to see someone that's really, you know, she she works very hard to maintain her level of uh, professionalism and, and talent. And, and she's always looking for something new to do. Um, and it just shows like her hard work pays off because how much um, she's she's, you know, recognized and known for her work. And even those people that may not know her by name or face. You know, hearing her on these shows, doing voice work, you know, um, it's fascinating to see what she's been able to accomplish. And, you know, again, knowing her now for 10 years and, and seeing her, you know, on the social media, seeing what all she's done. It's just it's just fantastic. I love that she took the time to sit down and talk with us about her because she's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. I, it, well, yeah. And it's it's fun because, you know, we. Obviously, you and I got really close over the pandemic, hence the podcast. Uh, and then. Uh, her and I had some fun, you know, creating some entertainment stuff. And and as she said, got to help her out with one of her fundraisers. Um, it's just been really nice to see from humble beginnings, uh, although she had already started a quite a name for herself um, in the theater, but to see where she's come from, you know, over 10 years ago on cruise ships to, you know, being, you know, star on YouTube and her TikTok and, the, the the amazing thing is just her level of talent hasn't gone to her head, first of all. She's always maintained that grace and that just down to earth New York gal um image. And and what what I think is great is that the one thing that she will always love is the theater and just live performing. No matter what she does, whether it's you know on screen or voiceover, it's her love of the theater that just kind of sets her to that standard. And you know, she's the an amazing modern diva or a time that I hope that people continue to discover through any medium. And I hope that this podcast shined a better light on, you know, the amazingness that is Christina Bianco. So uh, definitely check out, follow our social media and uh, come back and listen to this podcast. Cause I'm going to listen to this episode again and laugh my socks off <laughs> because I don't think we could stop. We couldn't breathe of all those impressions. So <laughs> Yeah, so thanks for listening today, folks, and I uh, hope you've had a wonderful summer. I uh, can't believe it, but it is uh, coming to an end as September creeps up on us. So uh, looking forward to more content coming up here on the Potential Podcast. So stay tuned, friends, and remember, know your potential. Potential, potential, potential. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast or on Twitter at the potential pod or you can email us send us your positive feedback and thoughts suggestions and more through our email the potential podcast at yahoo.com i'm your host chris dewar and i'm your host taylor sokol stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture entertainment and nerdum and remember know, know your, your potential, potential.